Hi guys, and welcome back to Motor Up Sports. We're at episode 68 today, and we're getting close to March Madness. And the Red Wings are hot right now and look competitive late in the season. Is Detroit back? The Lions were hot late. Now the Red Wings are getting hot late in the season. We'll see, but lots of things are starting to look up in Detroit right now. Today I want to focus on MSU hoops, though. There's parts of the team that are looking better, and there's a lot of things that just scream me first round exit, right? Like, Jackson Kohler looked amazing the other night. That was the best Jackson Kohler performance I've seen all year. And I've been on his ass all year, how he wasn't ready to play, how he hasn't been ready to play, but he showed for the first time, he's had a few flashes, a few games as he looked like a big time Division One player. But he showed promise against IU the other night. I mean, the big man position this year has not been promising at all. Sissoko's had a very disappointing, very horrible season. Hooper hasn't been ready to play. Kohler hasn't been ready to play. And that's probably going to bite Michigan State in the ass in March at some point because it's hard to win March without a big. But if Kohler can keep looking better every game, and I, I'm not jumping to conclusions here, there's one great game he played against a very good team and a very good big. But if, if he can do this rest of the season, I think you're looking at a scarier Michigan State team come, comes March. And what was most interesting about that game on uh, Tuesday night was Tyson took over and Hogarth took over, both in the same game. That hasn't happened all year. Normally when one's on, the other's off. And for the first time all year, you saw Walker came out, lit up in the first half. He had, I think, 14 points in the first half off a lot of threes, a lot of deep threes, ballsy threes. And then Hogarth, had a relatively quiet first half, came alive in the second. But, I mean, the reality of the story here is you have three games left. And I think Michigan State's virtually a lock for the tournament at this point. I'm looking at the net rankings. I'm looking at Ken Palm. It's pretty much lock city here unless, you know, somehow they go 1-2 and two or 0-3 oh down the stretch of the season. Huge game against Iowa on Saturday. But three games left are at Iowa, at Nebraska, and then you have senior night against Ohio State. You have two games you should easily win in a toss-up against Iowa. And right now, it seems like pretty across the board, Michigan State's a 6-7 or 8. Every bracketology is pretty similar. I think Michigan State could actually keep going up, and I can see them as high as being a, a 5 seed comes March if they can go deep in the Big Ten tournament. The thing about the Big Ten this year is there's nobody besides Purdue that's actually good. Like, everybody in the Big Ten on any other year is a bubble year. It's a bubble team. Any other year. Like, if Northwestern is your number two team in the Big Ten, the conference sucks. If Michigan's still peeping their head in at the tournament, the conference sucks. If Michigan State's this high of a seed, the nation sucks. Everybody's kind of bad this year. Across the board. The Big 12 looks tough, but everybody else is met. Right now, you have nine Big Ten teams in the field right now, which they'll all get bounced in the first round like normal. But, you know, anything can happen this year we've seen in the Big Ten. You have a lot of teams at 10 and 7 and 9 and 7, just all tied up between like 3 and like 8 in the Big Ten. And things are starting to come together for Michigan State, I think. It's starting to come together against IU. And we'll see these next three games. I mean, if they can rattle off four straight wins going into the Big Ten tournament, I feel pretty good going into March about taking a few rounds. But the Big Ten tournament is going to be crucial because there's no give-me's. You know, granted, nobody in the Big Ten is good, but nothing's a give-me game. 
Their only gimmies are like Nebraska and Ohio State and uh, Minnesota. But, I mean, the keys for State here at this point is you can't start slow and you have to hold on to late games. If they can do that, they, they can make some noise in March. And I, I can say that with confidence. I, I mean, I don't think they will. I still think they're around a 32 first-round exit. That I, Their ceiling could be elite eight. It's just a weird, weird, weird year. I mean, I'm looking at the polls. And I'm, it just seems like every week, you know, there's a new number one, two, three. And we get to the point of a season around now where you, your, your four teams are pretty much, you know, set in stone who's going to be your one seeds. There's normally a big gap. But, I mean, we're looking at, okay, so like Alabama's right now your number two team and Houston's number one. Is the gap from number one Houston, is the difference between number one Houston and number 19 Korean really that much? Like, in all seriousness, I, I can see Korean going to Houston and win. I don't think Creighton's like this phenomenal team, but neither is Houston. You know, I've said all year, you know, Kansas is probably going to be the team, the repeat. And it sure is all looking like they'll be the team, the repeat. I, I think Houston takes a run. I, I do like some of their pieces. But, I mean, like your top 10 right now, none of these teams I'm, I'm even looking at, I'm like, wow, that team's going to run through March. Even your number, like, I, I've been saying all year, like, Bama could be that team. Kansas could be that team. I can see both of them getting bounced to a good eight seed. So it's just there's no nobody this year. It's the Wild West. And this is going to be the hardest March Madness to predict because nobody knows who's good. You know, Michigan State's starting to climb up the ladder, though. Um, net ranking is 35, and they're 29th in Ken Palm. That, that should be enough at this point to get you in the March. They're 7-8 and eight in quad one wins. I mean, that, that's pretty damn good. 3-1 and one in quad twos. And then they're undefeated in quad three and four. So there's really not a bad loss outside of Notre Dame on that schedule. That's a road game. You, you can live with a loss to Notre Dame, in my opinion. I think Michigan State's in. I think it's going to be very difficult for, for a committee member. Let's just say they finish the season with eight quad one wins, because if they beat Iowa, it would probably be about eight or win a game in the Big Ten tourney. So let's just say they finish the season with eight quad ones. I, I can't see a way they miss. That's a hard case to say no to. What, what I'm finding interesting at this point of the season is I think we're going to see a lot of guys start transfer out next year. I think your biggest one is going to be Pierre Brooks. I mean, everybody seems like he's getting ridden off this program. Every game, either he's not playing or he's playing three minutes. So, Pierre Brooks, my guess is probably one of the first guys to transfer out this offseason. And I'm curious what's going to happen with the bigs, with Xavier Booker coming in. Let's see if Izzo hits the portal this year and maybe finally loses the arrogance and does it. We'll see. But the Big Ten in the nation is just not good. And it's anybody's year. This is a year I can see an 11 seed getting back to the Final Four with, with, with a breeze. We'll see. It, it's going to be interesting. But I want to move into Michigan basketball for a bit because they, they just came out with a huge win against Rutgers yesterday. Seems like every time Michigan's had a must-win game in the last couple of weeks, it, they found a way to win. Defensively, they were a nightmare last night. And I, I liked what I saw from Terrace Reed again. I'm going to keep praising the guy. I think that kid's a menace, and he plays good D. It, it's going to be tough. They need a lot of things to happen to get in, right? Like, they're now sniffing the ball for the first time in a few months. He's Molnari put him in the next four out. But that win against Rutgers last night jumped them to 44th in Ken Palm and jumped from 62 to 53 last night in, in net ranking. So, 
They're moving up the ladder. They're sitting, they're just hovering right around the bubble. Now, now the problem here is they're three and ten in quad one games. That's an atrocious record. They're five and one in quad twos and they have a quad four loss against Central Michigan. So the the, the resume's met. But if they can take care of business, let's say they this is my this is their path to the tournament. Their path to the tournament is you have three games left. Wisconsin at Illinois at Indiana. You can't lose Wisconsin. You have to split Illinois IU. So you go two and one in that stretch. Now you have five quad one wins. So you're, you're, you're hovering around at five and 11 now, quad ones. You, you have to take two in the Big Ten tourney. Let's just assume Michigan plays quad ones all the way through the tourney because let's just assume they're between a five and a seven or eight seed. So realistically, the Big Ten, everybody one through nine is a quad one team right now. If they find a way to finish the season with seven quad ones or six quad ones, you can make a case for them because if they can take two to end the season, and take two in the Big Ten tournament, that puts them at 20 and 14 record. That should be enough. But this is where things get interesting. And, and this is the part that we're not even talking about yet, and we're going to be talking about a ton starting next week. What's going to happen if there's some bid stealers, right? Like in, in previous years, remember a few years back, that Georgetown Oregon State run that was not expected by anybody in the world, they got in the march because they got the automatic bid and they stole conference bids from somebody. Well. I haven't even discussed teams that I, I that I can see taking bubble teams out, right? So your first one, your first scenario, which is probably your most your most possible scenario is Memphis winning the American, which right now they're a bubble team. They're right there with Michigan as a bubble team. That pushes Memphis in. That probably takes Michigan out. So if they can beat Houston, steal a bid from Houston in the American Conference, that doesn't help Michigan. Another bid stealing stealer I can see is Conference USA. You know, all year we've been talking about FAU, FAU. You know, they, they, they've been hovering the top 25 around there all year. Well, what's going to happen? Let's say they lose four games and one of those losses comes in their conference journey. And, they, and now, you know, a team like maybe Charlotte steals the bid or Middle Tennessee State steals the bid from FAU. So if FAU doesn't win the conference USA, now here's your question. Are they March Madness worthy? Because the reality of the story is they, they really haven't played anybody. I'm looking at their schedule, and I mean, you finish the season with four losses. I, I find it difficult for me to not take them, but there's been weird years where, like, Belmont or has been a team, like, in a similar situation, and they haven't taken them. Their the resumes met. Like, they lost to Ole Miss, who's atrocious. They've kind of taken care of business most of the season, but they've lost two in conference play. They have to finish strong. They have to. But I, I can very, very easily see, you know, this getting flipped around. They've maybe finished with four or five losses. And now you have a decision to make if you're the committee. Are they tourney worthy? Because the resume sure as hell tells me, if you're comparing Michigan and you're comparing Florida Atlantic's resume, I'm taking Michigan's resume. But if I'm going to sit there and I'm going to look at based on records and put everything in the, in the factor, you got to take FAU. That, that's going to be the most interesting name if they don't win their conference, comes March Madness Selection Sunday. And another bid stealer I can very well see happening is ACC getting really weird and interesting, right? Because you have to win, if you're a one through four seed in the ACC, you have to win three games to win the conference. 
anything past it for five games you have to win. Well, like, that's a lot of games to win in a conference that's met. And, like, everybody, it's like the Big Ten. Like, nobody's that good. Like, nobody is. Like, if Miami doesn't win the conference or Virginia doesn't win the conference, you have a lot of teams looking at the bubble, potentially, you know, knocking on the door, getting it. For example, like, Pitt. They're a 10 seed right now. Clemson. UNC, I mean, people already count out UNC early, man. Like, people do forget what UNC did last year. But I think the biggest thing right now is you got to be able to win away from home. And if I were to pick a Big Ten champ right now, conference tourney, I got to take Purdue, but they always crash and burn in March. I mean, nobody's winning on the road in the Big Ten. I'm just flipping back to the Big Ten. Nobody's winning the Big Ten right now on the road. Nobody besides Northwestern and Purdue have winning records on the road in the Big Ten. And it seems like that's kind of been the thing across the board in the nation. A lot of teams can't win on the road. And and, and that you typically run into that in March. And I want to move back to the ACC. It's very well possible Pitt can steal a bid. Pitt's 7-3 and three on the road. Clemson's 4-5 and five on the road. I mean, that's not a bad record. 4-5 and five on the road. Things will get weird. Big 12 is pretty side stone. You, TCU, Iowa State, Baylor, Kansas State, Texas, or Kansas will probably run away with that conference. Those are six teams right there. Like very well win it. And the Big East is pretty set in stone with their top five schools. Nobody else can really compete below that. Another team I think we, we should start looking out a little bit for. You guys might laugh at this. But if Oral Roberts doesn't win their conference, could they be a bid stealer? Could they be interesting? If they, if they, let's just say South Dakota State comes out with that conference, okay? Oral Roberts, okay, has not lost a conference game all year. They're seventeen and zero. They're twenty six and four. So they're basically the same team as FAU, right? Like they, they just they're gonna run through their conference. But if they lose one conference game, that's in the conference tourney. Things get weird. Are they a tournament team now? Because their resume sure as hell isn't like impressive. Um, they, they've played one top 25 school all year and lost. I do really like them though. I, I think they're gonna be an extremely tough beat in March. I think there, there's some teams, there's a lot of bid stealers out there. And that's going to be the deciding factor of March Madness for Michigan, for a team like UNC too. Maybe Kentucky will be hovering around the bubble again come Sunday. So a lot of these blue bloods are going to be fighting for tournament spots come selection Sunday. And they've really got to sit tight and hope that there aren't a lot of bid stealers across the board. Because this happens every year. You think you have the teams that are set in stone, then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose and your whole bracket's all fucked up. I'm looking at bracketology. It seems like Michigan's hovering in everybody's fields right now. Just hovering. They're, they're just hanging around a little bit. I, I'm i just super excited for March Madness. Because I this is the Wild West, like I said earlier in the episode. And I mean, you have some weird teams that are really good this year. Teams that are like not typically blue bloods. 
And you have a lot of blue bloods that are just playing bad basketball. So what's going to be interesting is you're going to see the ones and two seeds. Your one and two seeds are going to be like the non-blue bloods of the world. Like it's not going to be the same like normal, like Duke. It's not going to be Kentucky. It's not going to be UNC. You're going to see teams that aren't typically that great at basketball. Like, for example, Kansas State play as a two seed. And a lot of you guys are going to be inclined to be like, well, Kansas State's a two seed and they're never good. But Duke's a seven seed. So, you know, Duke's going to go deep. A lot of you guys are going to be thinking about that. And it's going to be a very, it's a psychological game this year because there's a lot of teams like that are going to be low seeds that are blue bloods. I, I do truly, if I had to make a pick right now, I'm going to go Kansas on a repeat. But things are going to get really weird between now and then. There's a lot of seeding this next this upcoming week that needs to be decided in the Big Ten. Right now, we're, we're still waiting to see if the uh, Michigan State-Minnesota game gets made up. I, I don't know if that happens. But, I mean, I'm looking at the Big Ten right now from second place to, to ninth place. It's separated by a game and a half. Or two games. There's no separation in the Big Ten right now. Everybody's beating each other up like every year, but this year it's just like the talent isn't there. No Big Ten team will go deep this year. I, and I guarantee Purdue will not because this Purdue, they're Purdue. They, they always crash and burn when it matters. I think the last thing I'm going to say about Michigan is. You can't judge the Juwan Howard era until Hunter Dickinson's gone. That's just my honest opinion. If Michigan does get in, which would be a miracle, but I think they do because they do look better lately. It looks like things are starting to come together in Ann Arbor. If they get in, they can make some noise because they're hot late. And I, at this point, if I'm picking March Madness winners this year, I'm not picking off of anything other than who is hot right now. That's how you, I'm picking my March Madness bracket because the separation is zero. I think Michigan State will will find will find their way out of the first. Like Michigan probably jump Wisconsin when it's all said and done. USC, Oklahoma State, Mississippi State, Utah State, Penn State, Texas Tech, Clemson. I mean, the teams ahead of them they should be able to get to if they keep winning games. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a weird March. There's just one last thing I want to get to today. Um, Tigers. And we're back to spring training. They're going to lose over 100. Again. I, I get that you guys have this little false hope that now the Beal is gone, things might start turning around. It's not going to be any better than it was before, I'll be honest. Um, and this guy Harris dude could be great. But the problem is he's got the worst owner in all sports. So it's going to be a very, very weird March bat. Sorry, it's going to be a very bad season. There's nothing good on this roster. You know, the only thing they're going to be talking about on Fox Sports Detroit is, oh, well, Mickey, 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 Mickey. And that's the entire storyline of the season. And the Tigers know that. I won't go to a game this year. I'm not going to go until they, until this guy sells. I'm wasting my money. I'm wasting my time. And I think a lot of Tigers fans are starting to feel that way after this offseason. Well, what are we doing here? Why would I go to the ballpark and watch this team get blown out? The waste of my time is a waste of my money. It's a waste of gas. They're just, it's a wasteful ball club. You know, we've all, I've always joked about when the Tigers were good about the same trash teams forever. Like the teams remain, always stay trash, like, like the Reds. 
like the Diamondbacks, like the Mariners up until last year. Like those teams are always historically bad clubs and you make fun of them for it. But hey, why are we putting the Tigers in that conversation now as one of the worst ball clubs in baseball? I think they are. I think we're just as sorry as the Diamondbacks. I think we're just as sorry as the Orioles. I think we're just as sorry as the Reds and the Pirates and the Marlins. We're just as bad as them. There's actually, I don't want to talk much about the Tigers. They're just so bad that it's it's painful to talk about them. But there was some Lions news last night, and I think they're in win-now mode. And I'm very excited for that because I've been waiting for somebody to finally hit the win-now button in Detroit. And it finally seems like they're hitting win-now. Finally. Michael Brockers got caught. Now, I don't know if this screams a win-now move, but they cleared 10 mil cap space. So if they're clearing 10 mil cap space, now, obviously, they're probably making a move at somebody. And I don't think they're going to stick at 6-18 and 18 on draft night. They're going to be moving a lot, around a lot. We've seen Holmes is not afraid to move around on draft night, something he hasn't been very shy about either, making that move at JMO last year. There's going to be a lot of movement with the Lions. But I would, I would love for us to bring in a stuck linebacker and free agency and draft the corner at six. I think Witherspoon would be perfect for this defense. You go out, you get Bobby Wagner on a two-year deal, and you start going for it this year. You have probably with this team a five- or six-year window. And that's a long time in the NFL because we're such a young squad that you're going to have a long time to win. This is the first time since the 90s the division's wide open. Why not make a move at winning now? Why wouldn't you? Green Bay's not Green Bay. Minnesota got lucky all year last year, and the Bears suck. So let, let, let's start actually looking at it, at it from you have to win now. You activate this rebuild, you finish it off, and you start winning. You know, a lot of people will be like, eh, I don't know, we should go out and spend a lot of money. You have to break the bank. Who else does this team have to prove to break the bank? They won an 8 out of 10 last year, and the rookies were all fired. And the second-year players were firing. And if Levi and Paschal can stay healthy this upcoming season, your team line is, is really good. And I'm not, I'm not going to count out Levi yet. So a lot of you guys already wrote him off. I haven't counted him out yet. But if your defense stays healthy like they were down the stretch and you bring in some pro bowlers and some good pickups in the draft, this will be an unstoppable squad next year. Expediting rebuild is the best thing that this team can do right now because they have nothing left to prove that they shouldn't do it. Had the Lions finished with six wins, I'd be like, fuck, fine. There's some, they need to spend the money smart. Like, I'm not giving somebody a seven-year deal. Like, I need guys on two, three-year contracts. I'm willing to break the bank on two-year deals right now. I'm not willing to break the bank on a six-year contract. And a lot of chatter's been happening about Anthony Richardson, you know, shooting up the the ladder for mock drafts like crazy lately. Like, his odds this morning I saw shifted on FanDuel or one of the sites from 750 to 500 or number one pick. So his odds are moving. He's trending up. There's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. And I, you guys might hate this take. I don't know. At 18, there's no clear-cut player. Unless somebody slips that you have front of the podium to get, I'm willing to go best available on the board. Whether that means Anthony Richardson's your best available player. I don't have a problem drafting him, but you need to love him. I think if they go quarterback, I'm not going to throw a fit. 
But you have to love the guy. You can't like him. If you like him, don't draft him. You need your next guy backing up Goff to basically be your next uh, like next Aaron Rodgers backing up Brett Favre. Not like the same talent, but in terms of they're going to win you divisions and they're going to get you to Super Bowls. You need a sure thing if you're going to go quarterback in this draft. And if you think you're a sure thing quarterback, draft him. I don't have a problem with it. Because at this point, Brad Holmes has made smart moves, he's drafted well, and he's been strategic with the cap. So if he thinks a quarterback needs to be drafted at 18, or if he really wants to get ballsy and throw one on that throw off quarterback at six, I'm not going to scream and yell about it because he's done enough to just for me to sit back and be like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. This guy can win games. This guy can win two goals for us. Now, this is some guy like, like Bob Quinn going out there and, and doing that. I'm throwing a hissy. But the, the, in reality, the Lions should win the division next year. Super Bowl odds way too early are out, and they're plus 1,400. Fourth in the NFC in Super Bowl odds. So everybody's buying into the Lions. All eyes are on the Lions. And they better not let me down like how the Tigers of Michigan State did when all eyes were on that. I don't think they will. You got Aaron Glenn back another year. They just gave a multi-year extension this morning or last night. Ben Johnson came back shockingly. I did not think he was going to come back. And your offense, you have some decisions to make. What do you do with Chark? I don't know. That That's the big question of the offseason is DJ Chark. Do you go out and you draft a receiver? I don't know. Do you go out there and just replace him with somebody cheaper that can fill the role like him? Or do you franchise him? Now, that's your first big decision you have to make this offseason is DJ Chark. You got to make a decision on DeAndre Swift. Whether Do you think this guy is going to be your future running back? Which I don't think he is. To be completely real with you guys. And it's not just because I don't like the way he plays, how he doesn't take his blocks and tries to go rogue. The main reason I think he's not going to be good is his health. Guy can't stay healthy. You can't stay healthy. You're never going to be elite. So if you think you need to sign a running back or draft a running back at 18, fine. We have a lot of decisions made. And it, it, it looks like they're starting to head into the win-now direction, which is nice. But I'll be back again Monday. Grant's coming on. So we're going to recap the weekend. Any news that pops up between here and there, we will talk about. See you guys on Monday. Go green this weekend. Go Pistons. Go Wings. Big game Saturday against Lightning. See you guys on Monday.